0: come on church, we all make some noise for Jesus this morning. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, make some noise for Jesus this morning. Oh man, so excited, so thankful for everything that God has done uh, today and really excited as we continue. And listen, uh, you guys are in for a treat uh, this morning. Uh, we have someone who's right here in house that's going to be sharing uh, the word of God uh, this morning. And as he prepares uh, to share, listen. I want to encourage you to like, like lean in. I want you to have some tiptoe anticipation this morning. I want you to be excited. I want you to act like you just went to Starbucks and broke the place because you had so much caffeine. When he hits that point, I need you to amen him. I need you to shout him down. You can stand up. You can wave at him. Give him the stink. Mm, give him the stink face. Give him all of that. This morning, not because he needs it, but because we're going to get something out of it more when we lean into the word of God that is being preached, because the word says this, that God's word never returns to him void, but it accomplishes everything that it was sent forth to do, and I'm so thankful for this family, so thankful uh, for God, that's who it is, and just love the way he communicates, love uh, his authenticity, and his love for scripture. And, and just communicating it in uh, a way that he's telling the story and really just uh, painting the words of God uh, to whoever is listening. And so, church, will you help me welcome our own guy to the platform as he, as he prepares to bring the word this morning? Come on.
1: Thank you, Pastor Mike. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Will you all join me in a quick word of prayer as we get started? Father God, I am so grateful for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that your word would fall on the fertile soil of our hearts and bring forth a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. Father, I pray that you would saturate the atmosphere with your presence. And as Pastor Mike says, that it is preached that it will not return void, that it would do the perfect work that you have designed for it to do in our lives, not only today, but for the days that come. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, at the outset, let me just say I am humbled and honored to be before you today. I have uh, been a part of this church and its very brief history since the first launch, and to see what God is doing is tremendous in this place. So if this is your first time coming, please allow me to welcome you. I am not as tall as your normally scheduled programming, (laughs) so give me some grace for that. But I do want to start off by saying a special thank you to Pastor Michael and Pastor Katie, because if you have been here, you know that it is because of their obedience that we've been able to see some amazing things, lives transformed and changed in this church. And I thank you all for entrusting me with this opportunity to be before you all. Now, let me apologize in advance because I am um, not typically one of those turn-to-your-neighbor set of preachers and teachers, but today I have to be. (laughs) <laughs> because I think it calls for it. So get ready, all right? I'm just going to warn you in advance. We've got a little bit of a turn to your neighbor moment, all right? So you're going to go on both sides. But I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I am so glad to see you this morning. Hi. Hi. Now, I want you to turn to the other side and say, I love you, and I am so glad to see you this morning. <laughs> Was that a little bit uncomfortable? Was that a little Just a little bit uncomfortable? (laughs) It's all right, because today, if you were here, it'll make sense as we continue on our conversation this morning. But if you were here last week, you would recognize that we are in a collection of talks about making room. And last week, Pastor Mike kicked us off with a great overview of what it means to make room for God, to make room for prayer, to make room for all of the things that make us believers. And we're going to continue on this morning... About making room for community. Making room for community. When uh, Pastor Mike asked me, invited me to sort of talk about this subject, I immediately start talking to the Lord. And, and my relationship is when, with him when teaching is one where he gives me a scripture and I just can't escape it. It, it arrests my attention, and the one that he gave me is the one that's going to be our anchor for this conversation, and it may not feel like it exactly fits with the theme, but I want you guys to, to stick with me. You'll find it in the New Testament, the book of Philippians, so if you're like me, go there get your Bible. I just love to turn the pages, to, to mark it up, to... to Write uh, in it, but if you don't have it, you can scroll to it. If you're a little bit younger, like my daughter and my wife, uh, who is actually a little bit older than me, happy birthday Esther, <laughs> but, uh, who still loves to, to scroll there. And if you don't have it at all, you can turn on your screen, but uh, read along with me. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. See, this scripture was written by the apostle Paul, and it it, it evidences a tension that he had. A wrestling match that he realized that his intimacy that he enjoyed with Christ, with the Father, far surpassed any earthly relationship that he could possibly have. He said to, to live is Christ but to die is gain. If I just cut it all off and leave you all, I'm a winner. It's like winning the lottery because I am going to be with the Father and it's far better than anything that this earthly plane has to give me. But he said, but I choose to remain. And it's in this tension that I want us to talk about what we're going to learn today. It is this tension that I want us to lean into the difference between going and staying. And why did Paul find it so important to plant his roots here on this earth? It's because he understood the assignment. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you know that he is who the Lord used to pin the scriptures that make up most of the New Testament. If you know anything about him, you know that he went on many a missionary journey, that he would be there planting churches, building up communities, pouring into people. He, I quote, said, I pour my life out like a drink offering so that Christ be formed in you. He understood the assignment. He understood the absolute importance of community. And that's where I want us to go today. Do you understand the premium that the Father places on the people who are on your left and on your right? Do you understand the importance and the purpose that your life has intertwined with them? Do you understand, like Paul did, that we have to make room for community? There was a study that came out. It's been going on since 1938. Harvard the Harvard University, the one of the leading Ivy League institutions in the world, commissioned a study of 700 men uh, back in 1938. It is one of the rarest of its kind, a longitudinal study that tracked these men from high school all the way into many of their deaths. It's now expanded to over 2,000 people because it picked up their progeny, and now several generations. And they're collecting tons of data about these men, what they ate, how they lived, the things that they, they liked to do. They took their blood, they took scans. They're constantly looking over it. It is now under its fourth research director because it, it's, thanks to a lot of persistent research, it continues under this day. It's been over 85 years where they're tracking their lives. And one of the interesting things about this study, looking at all of these men that they discovered, what was it that was most important to their happiness? It wasn't their wealth. It wasn't their success and all of their achievements. It wasn't their socioeconomic status. It was their relationships. It was their relationships The study found that social connections are good for us. It found that those who had warm relationships in their 50s were much much likely to live past their 80s, that had much better health conditions, that were much more happy. And they asked questions about looking back over their lives. I mean, there was even one president that emerged from this study, and that is what they found. When they looked at all the data, there was a high correlation between those who were the happiest and the healthiest and lived the longest, had the most mental acuity, Because they enjoyed the warmest relationships. Conversely, those who felt isolated, even if they were very wealthy, uh, had the quickest decline, were not living very well or very healthy in their later age. And it's crazy because it affected their physiology, these relationships, these connections that we enjoy. Now, the cool thing is I don't need Harvard University to tell me this. Because if I go to the book of Genesis, we learn that man should not alone it's the principle that we see in the very dna of which god has created us to live out that the community is important which brings me to my first point that god designed us for community that god designed us for community nothing has changed since the garden of eden When he put us together, when he knit us in our mother's womb, he created us to be social beings. He created us with one another in mind. And it's a dangerous place when we get into a place of isolation and division and we're alone by ourselves. We went through a pandemic. We went through a season of extreme political discord, of of racial unrest, of all manner of contention that even infected the church. It even affected the body of Christ. And and took a hit to our community. But the reality is that that is not his design and his vision. So as we unpack community, I want to understand the blueprint of community. Why is community so critical and important to our Lord? Well, one thing is that he himself is in community. Um, I've got a picture of a trinity, and there have been Thousands of individuals that have studied this across generations and ages, theologians that have come and gone and have tried to examine the triune nature of God. I'm not going to do it justice in the little bit of time that we have this morning, but just to highlight the point that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were together for all eternity existing in a complete harmony with one another. We see it in the very beginning of scripture when he said, let us make man in our image. And even when Christ donned flesh and came to the earth in the form of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, he said, even the words that I speak, I do so in accordance with the Father's will. There is no discord among them because they have, since the beginning of time, lived in this beautiful harmony with one another. This community is how God was created and formed. And the crazy thing is that the only disruption to this perfect harmony that they had is when he cried out on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, Sabachthani, Kafani, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? The disruption was for our sake, so that Christ could become sin, so that you can be invited into this cosmic harmony. For all of eternity, he had to turn his back on his son so that we could get the transmuted righteousness. That was the only time that harmony was disrupted for you and I to be invited into a cosmic community and a fellowship that we could only experience forbearing through the blood of lambs and goats. But that is what he did to tear the veil. And he said, now you can come unto me and say, Abba, Father, so that you and I can enjoy community because Christ paid the cost. And if you don't believe me, let's look at John chapter 17 because I think it illustrates it so well when Jesus was praying for the disciples and that those would come to hear the message, i.e. you and I through the message. He said, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you all to miss the importance of community that emanates from this vertical relationship. Pastor Mike, you talked about this last week. I just want to echo it and underscore it one more time for the group. I have another graphic up there that i like for you all to see that I think illustrates it really well. This vertical relationship is the one that we have to share with God, Right? This is the one that is going to dictate the horizontal relationships that we are to share with one another. The Bible says it this way in the great command, you know it well, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest, most important commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, All of the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments illustrated by the cross that we have here. If I'm loving him with all my soul, all my strength, all my might, every fiber of my being, then loving this becomes a lot easier. And this is the imperative. This is where we live. This is why community is so important. When I have you turn to your left and to your right, it's because this is where the work of the ministry really happens. Now, I'm not just talking about community for community's sake, right? Because that would just make us a social club. That would just be getting together. No, we are called to, and this is my second point, Christ-centered communities. Because there is power in Christ-centered community. I think about this a lot. We are the body of Christ. And that analogy is not just said, it is actually taken from scripture. It's not just a corporate gathering of individuals, a collection of different personalities. No, when he is talking about the body of Christ, he is literally using the analogy of a physical body. We find it in Corinthians. Let's turn our attention to it just quickly. Just as a body, though one has many parts, But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I don't want you all to miss the significance of the connection with the physical body. Because one thing about a body is that your hand doesn't get out of discord with your face. Right? It is all taking commands from the brain, from the head. And so it should be living in the same harmony. But the reality is that the body of Christ that we live in oftentimes doesn't always align that way. I want to do a little bit of a demonstration before you because I just want to illustrate it one way. You know, My wife and I are in children's ministry, so if you don't have at least one object lesson, you have failed the kids. (laughs) And so just imagine right, that I am sitting here and talking to you, and then my hand just decides that it wants to go and do its own thing. Oh, hello. So you don't want to be connected to the body anymore. You're just going to go and do your own thing. Okay, well, let me go. You want to go ahead and take over for this message for me? Was that what you would like to do? But that is the craziness of what it means to be separated from the body. But it's all too easy for us to take offense, to get upset. And the reality is I've been hurt by members of the church, too. If we're honest, there may be some elective amputations if we could have it, right? Like, you know what, Sister Candelope, you can just go on somewhere else. (laughs) But the reality is that God wants it to be just as hard for us to disconnect as it would be to take my foot off. It should be that much of a pain for me to lose any single one of you than it would be for me to actually chop off my hand because that is what we are supposed to be to one another. Not just a loose assembly, but we are connected. But it's hard. The reality is that it is hard because this type of connection that keeps my arm to my hand, it takes work. It takes investment. It takes forgiveness. But if we are the body of Christ and we can't just sort of come together on Sunday and then I'll see you maybe next Sunday, I have to care when you're hurting. I have to rejoice when you are rejoicing. I have to not just say I'm praying for you. I actually have to pray for you. I have to listen. I have to forgive. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. And I don't want for this church or any other under the name of Christ Jesus to be a superficial collection of people that may know each other sometimes. Because that means my finger could fall off and I wouldn't even have a second thought about it. That's not who we are. And that's not God's design. There's also purpose in community. Purpose in community. From Old Testament to New Testament, one of the things that we see is that we need each other. God, as, as Paul said in our beginning anchoring scripture, if 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 He didn't need anything for me to come to know the Lord, then He could have took me away the day I gave my life to Christ. But He's planted me in a network of relationships, and the context of who I am and who I'm becoming and who I will be is knit. It is woven together with others. To say it differently, who would David be, King David, without Jonathan? Who would Queen Esther be without Mordecai? Who would Paul be without Silas and Barnabas and Timothy? And the rich relationships he enjoyed as he went from province to province, from church to church. The reality is whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, our lives are interwoven with the people who are around us. And are we making room for God to do what he wants to do in us and them, through us, to them? Because what I find in our day and age, and the studies are showing this, is that we're becoming more intro-focused, right, too personalized, all about me and mine, and it's easy just to go in and close the door behind you. It's easy to sort of have a virtual relationship where I click like, and that's good enough. I'm supporting you that way, but the real community that I believe God has designed for us is the one that actually gets a little vulnerable. It gets a little dirty, It gets a little into the weeds because that is how he transformed the world. He took 12 ragtag men and he invited them into relationship with him. And he poured into them and he loved on them and he lived with them and he did life with them. He made room for them. And those 12 went and transformed the world. Can you say that? Have you seen that? And it's not just reserved for the biblical days. I have an example that I have followed because when I heard this the first time, it really, it really touched my heart. Um, there's a man named Daryl Davis. I've got a picture of him there. He's known for two things. One thing is he is from Chicago, so shout out to my Chi-Town transplants. That might just be us, honey. <laughs> Didn't get one amen for that. Um he is known for jazz music. He came from Chicago, and he is, is quite the jazz musician, but the thing that captivated me about this man was also his work that he did in racial reconciliation. You see, he had an encounter when he was playing in a bar where he met somebody from the Ku Klux Klan and had a very unique encounter that ironically sparked a friendship. And so now, if you look, Several years later, he is credited for having 200 Ku Klux Klan hoods. How did he get them? He befriended members of the Ku Klux Klan, and and because of his friendship, because of his relationship, because of his loving on them, they recognized how misguided they were in their viewpoints. And he asked after their friendship, after they renounced the Klan, could he have their hoods? But do you know, it was the power of love It was the power of getting out of the comfort zone. It was the power of community and making room for people and relationship that he was able to tear down walls of hostility that had divided our country for centuries and continues to do work. And to this day, now that he's much older than when that picture was taken, continues to pour into others and use love, leaning in and purpose and community to drive this change. And I don't wanna underestimate it, right? The power of love. That is really what the motivating force is because it's not easy to create a community like this. It's not easy to maintain it. It can be challenging. And there's one scripture though, but if we are truly gonna be the community of Christ, I think he says it well in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you were also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, the power of our communities, they are rooted in love. And that is how Mr. Davis was able to transform all of these relationships because he saw past the discomfort, he saw past the awkwardness, he saw past the self-preservation and was able to lead and lean in with love. He was able to make room for other people. And that is the same thing that we are being asked to do on a daily basis, that he has said that, you are my royal priesthood, you are my ambassadors, you are my living epistles. Christ has given us, dedicated to us, commissioned us with the ministry of reconciliation, And if we are going to be successful in doing that, we are going to have to, like he did, lead and lean in with love. There is uh, an example that I often like to tell because it's not as hard as I think we try to make it out to be. It can be as simple as actually coming to know and to love on your neighbors. So I have a story that I want to end with. Uh, of, of our dear friends back in, in Chicago. But when we first met them, they weren't our dear friends. Esther and I had moved to Chicago from Ohio in 2013. Um, and when we did, we moved into a really diverse neighborhood um, where we didn't know anybody. And the, and the neighbors on our left and our right, they didn't even speak English. All they spoke is Spanish. So I mustered up my college Spanish and I was like, you know what? I felt led to make a connection with our neighbors. I'm going to do it. Now, I'm so glad I did because when I first tried to meet them, the first time I was like, hey, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. It's like, okay, nice to meet you. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> go on there. I was like, all right, Esther, I got to try again. I got to try again. I, I feel like the Lord wants us to have a relationship with this family. And so I went, and the second time I was like, hola, como mucho gusto. Me llamo, Gabriela espanol. Oh, okay. <laughs> the doors opened. So I met the mom, and then I met the daughter. Uh, buy some cookies, talk. One thing leads to another, and we really start to form a relationship. It just started over dinner. We went to their house for dinner. They came to our house for dinner. And we really just started to love on them, right? To give you some background, this is a couple. They had five kids. They're undocumented, moved to the United States, trying to search for a, a better way of life. Um, and we just befriended them. And we really loved on them. Well, the next thing, one thing leads to another. And we say, do you want to have a Bible study? in our house. Of their five kids, two of them gave their lives to Christ in our living room (laughs) just because we loved them. I'm going to throw a picture of this family up there just so you can see the reality. They became our friends. They became our friends. They had experienced church hurt when they came to the United States, and God used us to unearth that. They weren't married But then under our friendship and our love, they started to feel the conviction. They were like, you know what? We want to be married. And guess who they asked to be the maid of honor and the best man in their wedding? And even though we have now moved away, my mom was just visiting them in Florida a couple of weeks ago because they are now our family. And that is the power of love. I didn't go and preach a sermon. I did hit them with the Bible, but after I had developed a relationship, (laughs) which you can see in one of those pictures is their oldest son, because he was so enamored with this Christ that we talked about. He saw me in my prayer journal. He said, I want a prayer journal too. And that's him holding a prayer journal. Till this day, they can pick up the phone and call me, and I will be there in a heartbeat because that is what love looks like. And that's what community looks like. I could have closed the door. I could have been all about mine and mine and me and mine and my ours. But God said, no, you're going to lead with love. And that is what all of us are called to this morning. You don't have to part the Red Sea. It's just about taking time to do the little things. Picking up the phone and saying, hey, I was thinking about you. Hey, do you want to go to lunch with me? A simple text to let somebody know I love you and I'm praying for you. It could be joining a belong group it could be leading a belong group but through the course of all of these little moments how god weaves our life together he's creating opportunity for community the question is will you make room for it but if you do i promise you it'll be some of the most amazing adventures some of the most transformational things because as you can see from the old to the new testament that is exactly what he used to transform nations to change the destinies of the least of these is community. So join me as we close for a quick moment of prayer. I want to do a couple of things. If, if you are new to the faith, if you are new to this place, I want to make sure that you don't miss on that out on that first invitation for community. I want to make sure that you don't lose sight of an opportunity to join the best cosmic community there is, the one where Christ laid down his life. Because if you haven't experienced the transformational moment of being able to enter community with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who created the heavens and the earth, then this is your moment. So if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. If you want to have a relationship with Christ and have not had an opportunity to give your life to him, raise your hand because we want to help you meet him. Your life will never be the same. I did it when I was 17 years old and I have never looked back. He transformed me from the inside out and I wouldn't change a thing. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. It sounds like we are all in the house of the Lord, all in the body of Christ. My second prayer, and we can all pray this one, is just that we would come and we would be that community, that forceful change of love. That God has called us to be. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be your hands and your feet. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us a plan and a purpose and you bound it up with the lives of others. Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear the people on our left and the right in front of us and behind us in our workplaces, and our homes. Heavenly Father, that we are communion that we are your body. Help us to love like you love so that when people will see us, that we are, they will know that we are your disciples by our love for one another. We thank you for what you are doing and what you have done and what you will do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.